Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It is the biggest week of the college football season. We've got big games all over the place, quarterfinal matchups in Ohio, and of course, three Thanksgiving games going on in the NFL. BetOnline has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays. Use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 129. We've got Wired Ups going back almost three whole years now. Welcome in everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or however and whenever it is you may be listening. Thanks for stopping in. We had the Ohio State versus Michigan pregame show that went down on Friday. So today we are going to deliver the Ohio State and Michigan postgame show with a result that was improbable, although many people who are smart about college football did foresee a result like this uh, being a Michigan victory happening. I think the way with which it happened was pretty freaking unpredictable because early, early on in that game, I was watching it and I'm like, man, Ohio State deserves to win this game so bad. Man, Ohio State is a four point or a nine point favorite for a reason. I think that went down to like seven and a half points by the time the game started. But I was like, they're playing at home. They've got no Jackson Smith and Jigba. They've got no Trayvon Henderson, both of whom might, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, it's almost a guarantee is going to be a first round pick. Trayvon Henderson, if not a first round pick is going to be one of the top two running backs taken in his class. So those two players are out. And all of a sudden, Ohio State finds themselves in a situation where they're still beating up on Michigan without their star running back and their star wide receiver. Because basically, early on in the game, what they did was the exact same thing that happened last year. And when we were doing the preview of Ohio State-Michigan, this was one of the things that I talked about. Ohio State has been this machine for years, and what happens when you build a college football machine that is a tier one type of program is, last year, Ohio State gets pummeled by Michigan. They go to the Rose Bowl, which is a letdown game for Ohio State, and Ohio State has their top two receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, both of whom are going to be top 12 picks in the NFL draft. They have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave sit out for the game in the Rose Bowl against Utah. And they slide in Jackson Smith and Jigba, and they slide in Marvin Harrison Jr., one of whom is a sophomore, one of whom is a freshman, and both receivers go for over 200 yards in the Rose Bowl. Jackson Smith and Jigba goes for 300, which makes him one of like three receivers I've ever seen join the Mr. 300 Club, which is basically him, Julio Jones, Jamar Chase, and I might be forgetting one. Just an insane 300-yard performance. And 
both of those guys are projected to be first-round picks. I know in the first half of the Ohio State-Michigan game this week, there was a raging debate, thanks to LeBron James, about whether or not Marvin Harrison should be allowed to go into the draft a year early, because he might be a first-round pick as a sophomore. Well, now you subtract Jackson Smith and Jigba, slide in Emeka Igbuka, and he has 125 yards and a touchdown because, lo and behold, he was the number one wide receiver in the 2021 receiving class. So what this is, is number one receiver in the 2020 class, Marvin Harrison, number two receiver and future first round pick from the 2019 class, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and top receiver from the 2021 class, Emeka Igbuka. Basically, you slide all those guys in, and every year Ohio State has another first-round pick at a skill position, or really each position, because they had first-round pick Justin Fields play quarterback for two years, which is followed up by two years of first-round pick C.J. Stroud immediately after. That's the machine that we're talking about, and it takes eight-plus years to get to build up a machine. Georgia is a machine now, and it took them six years. It's been six years since Georgia's first national championship run, so it requires multiple four-year generations in order to build up the type of machine. And in the case of Ohio State, it was two different coaches. It was Urban Meyer into Ryan Day when Urban Meyer was forced out of the program quietly because they didn't want to loudly force Urban Meyer out of the program. So bring it forward to today. The machine is rolling. Ohio State starts the game off with a touchdown. Michigan kicks a field goal. Ohio State kicks a field goal. It's the second quarter, they're up 10-3, to and then shit hits the fan real quick. Because when it's 10-3, to Ohio State over Michigan, at this point, on the first three possessions of the game for Michigan, Michigan had the field goal, they punt back to Ohio State, and it's Ohio State's ball, up 10-3, to in the second quarter, and they're going for it on fourth down. At this moment, Michigan has one rushing yard on the game. One rushing yard. And Ohio State goes for it on fourth down, doesn't convert, gives the ball back to Michigan, and Ohio State forces negative yardage on the following play, or the following drive. They go three and out with negative yardage. So Ohio State is holding them to one rushing yard on the first three possessions of the game. Michigan has gone field goal, punt, punt. Ohio State has gone touchdown, field goal, turnover on downs. And then we skip forward to the next Michigan possession, still 10-3, to about five minutes into the second quarter, and there is one play that beyond the Ohio State not being able to convert the fourth down, because when I saw Ohio State go for it on fourth down, they were kind of in that no man's territory, if you remember that fourth down that they missed. I just felt like they didn't need to do that in that situation, but they were in no man's territory. It was fourth and two, and they didn't convert, and it didn't hurt them anyways. This was a play that literally, like in hindsight, I look back and say this is where a a football game turns on its head. You have Michigan having the ball at the 31-yard line. Ohio State has a third down and eight, and Ohio State straight engage eight blitzes like like seven eight dudes blitzing the quarterback which is the strategy when you're facing Michigan like Michigan their offense in the passing game is predicated on developing time and and really they'd rather prefer to run the ball but it's a big play offense in the passing game so of course you blitz them to take away the big play on offense and 
Ohio State gets two guys untouched through the offensive line. Two, I think one was a linebacker, one was like a safety linebacker hybrid. And if you watch this play, they go two guys untouched into the backfield. J.J. McCarthy, who's the Michigan quarterback, is dropping back, 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 and he just flings the ball to the left, and there's a Michigan receiver about six yards in front of the line of scrimmage. And remember, it's third and eight, so they need to get eight yards. The throw doesn't get to the first down marker, so Michigan player comes back to the ball, working to the sideline on the left, makes the catch, and Ohio State defender can either push him out of bounds or tackle him. But as he comes back to the ball, the Michigan player gets a step and a half to the outside in a way that still feels inexplicable to me. I don't know if it was like a turf monster or falling over, whatever separation he creates coming back to the ball, but he gets a step and a half to the sideline when there's only about four steps available to the sideline and breaks a tackle from an Ohio State corner and then just goes untouched to the end zone, 69 yards, nice, 69 yards to the end zone, and there's not a red jersey anywhere on the field and or anywhere in the camera shot. And it was 10 to 10 at that point. And I was watching that, I was like, man, that was a massive like emotional swing. I, I mean, I wasn't really emotionally invested in the game. Up to this point, I'm thinking Ohio State's going to roll. That's the projected result. They're going to play Georgia in the national championship game, and it's going to be the two best teams, and Georgia will probably win, but Ohio State could put up a fight. And, you know, that's what's going on the first quarter and a half. And after that play, I was like, man, that was a weird turn of events where I'm seeing two Ohio State players untouched into the Michigan backfield turn into a 69-yard Michigan touchdown. Like, that is one of those plays where the probabilities probably did not lean in favor of Michigan on that play. Added to the fact that Ohio State in their first 11 games of the season has allowed one 50-plus yard play all season. One 50-plus yard play the entire season. And they give up 69 yards on that play to tie the game 10-10, when the blitz was executed correctly, they got two guys untouched into the backfield. Now, they didn't get maybe the fastest head start in the world because McCarthy had about 2.4 to 2.6 seconds to get rid of the ball, but that still should not have been enough time to break one for 60 yards after catch where there's no Ohio State player in the camera shot. And so that play ends up happening. It's 10-10 at that point. They break open this big touchdown Ohio State goes right down. They kick a uh, field goal right after that. And then Michigan gets the ball, and Michigan scores another touchdown, this time on a 75-yard bomb down the field. And all of a sudden, it's now 17-13. to And Ohio State comes back and they have a bomb play to Marvin Harrison for a 45-yard touchdown. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is the entertainment football that I came here for. Regardless of storylines or stakes like we tried to talk about on Friday, once you got to the point where it's like 65-yard touchdown, Ohio State field goal, sorry, 69. 69-yard touchdown, Ohio State field goal, 75-yard touchdown, 45-yard touchdown, 
within six minutes of each other, now we're just getting into super, super entertaining football. And again, reminder that before those two plays, Michigan has one rushing yard on the entire game. They have one rushing yard, and then they break a 69-yard touchdown pass, and they break a 75-yard touchdown pass. It was just after this point, but like basically after those two plays, J.J. McCarthy completed nine passes for 211 yards. Up to this point, he has nine completions for 211 yards. If you're looking for the math on that, that is approximately 25 yards per completion. 25 yards per completion up to that point. The, the exact number is 23.6. But dude, 25 yards per completion for J.J. McCarthy. And the Michigan offense only has one rushing yard. So this is a, we have just blown the breaks off of two big plays, and that's the only reason we're in this game. It's a pretty good reason to be in this game. I mean, it's college football. Like, if you told me that there were only four touchdowns in the entire game, it would be believable. But that's just because of Big Ten football stereotypes about them playing in the cold and tough ground-to-the-pound running football like Jim Harbaugh plays or like Purdue is going to play in the SEC in the Big Ten championship game. Eight and four unranked Purdue getting to play by the way Iowa shit the bed we did we talked about Nebraska Iowa on Friday Iowa shit the bed in the Black Friday meaningless game against Nebraska it was fantastic but back to Michigan Ohio State like Ohio State puts up 40 something points a game so like they put up a ton of points Michigan having those two big plays really changed the the game because again they had one rushing yard prior to that point so now uh, Michigan's top running back Blake Corum is out and they go to Donovan Edwards, and at this point, it's 20-17 to 17 at halftime. Ohio State has the lead. You're coming out with um, Michigan getting the ball, and you're like, okay, this will be, be kind of interesting to watch. You had three 50-plus yard touchdowns in the final five minutes of the half. Oh my gosh, this is an awesome football game up to this point. And then, y'all, Michigan outscored Ohio State 28-3 to three in the second half. Like, the splits on that game are crazy. They are crazy. The 28-3 for second half was just astounding to watch. Absolutely astounding. And this is not coming from the point of like, oh, like, look at the pedigree and the success of Ohio State. It's like, to outscore a team that looked Nash Championship good 28-3 is insane. We talked about this last week with Tennessee. Like, it's a testament to Alabama that they have never had that game. They have never had that half. They have never had that game. Uh, the only one I can think of is the National Championship game against Clemson, who, again, won the National Championship, where they lost, like, 48-16. to That game never happens to Alabama. It happened to Tennessee last week against South Carolina where they get pummeled by 25 points. And it was Ohio State last year against Michigan where the final score was only like 15 points, but they really lost by more. And then this year, 28-3 to against Michigan is, I mean, in a half of football to get outscored 28-3 to is wild. 
for a team that is that good. Tier 1 and even Tier 2 programs don't get tranced like that. Maybe every year or two years or three years you have Clemson losing a game like that, but most of Clemson's losses are like last second against Syracuse, or most of Clemson's losses are like last second against Ohio State. I mean, they got pummeled by Ohio State in that one playoff game, so maybe Clemson's not the best example. But like, when Georgia loses, it's like... It doesn't look like 28 to 3 in the second half. It doesn't look like Michigan, which I'm just going to go right real quick here with the the drive charts for Michigan. They kick off the second half. Uh they actually had a drive down the field. Uh then they go seven plays, uh, start the half, seven plays, 45-yard touchdown pass. Uh, then they have a few punts back and forth. Michigan gets the ball. They run a 15 dri- 15 play eight-minute drive that takes them into the fourth quarter. They held the ball for eight straight minutes and go 15 yards down the field. After, remember, up to this point, their other scores have come on 69-yard touchdown, 75-yard touchdown, and 45-yard touchdown. That's how they've scored already here. It is the three of the four longest plays Ohio State has allowed all season. And two of them came on back-to-back plays. They go... 69 yards and then the very next play 75 yard touchdown against Ohio State basically untouched for a 75 yard touchdown but a 75 yard touchdown nonetheless to Cornelius Johnson and then they've scored three of the four longest plays for Ohio State season and then they just go eight minutes now we're up 31 to 20 then Ohio State kicks a field goal now it's 31 23 then they get the ball what do they do 75 yard touchdown run The next play, after the 15-yard drive, 75 yards, one play, rushing touchdown. Then they pick off uh, C.J. Stroud on the kind of desperation play where he does one of those, like, dumb quarterback things that, like, Carson Wentz used to do, or we kind of think of Josh Allen doing this year, even though Josh Allen's dumb boy plays are a little bit overblown. So then Ohio State, desperation, turns the ball over. Three plays later, 85-yard touchdown run. 85 yard touchdown run within five plays they go I mean if so they have a 15 play drive in there but five plays in the game they go 69 yard touchdown 75 yard touchdown 45 yard touchdown 75 yards again and 85 yard touchdown Gus Johnson brought up the stat that like the last 21 meetings between Michigan and Ohio State the team with the most rushing yards has won Michigan had one in the first half, and they finished with 252 goddamn rushing yards. Like, it is absolutely remarkable. It was remarkable to watch them torch Ohio State, and fun to watch. Like, big plays all over the place. It was fun to watch. 28-3, they did it with three of the five longest plays Ohio State has allowed all season, and they ran an eight play touchdown drive one where they got held to a field goal and then Ohio State got hit with a pass interference like it was wild it was wild to watch and I don't need to tell you that over and over again you guys watched it it was incredible the stat that is just stuck with me is that you're looking at the five gigantic plays Ohio State had allowed one 50 plus yard play all season They gave up four, 
and they gave up a 45-yarder, which I'm going to guess, I'm going to play the odds and say Ohio State has not allowed a play in between 45 and 50 yards this year, but even if they've allowed one, that's still five of their longest plays of the season, either six or seven longest plays of the year. That's five of their six or seven longest plays of the year, and at that point, it is just a defensive breakdown. It's a defensive breakdown at that point because we hadn't seen that at all from Ohio State this season. Ohio State had not had a game like that all year long, and it's crazy to watch that because this was a game where it's like, hey, this is a quarterfinal game. I said this before, like Ohio State, they they need some results to go their way, and it doesn't look like USC is going to shit the bed, so it looks like they're kind of banking on championship game moment. USC is at 17-7 at the time of recording, so, um, you know, hold tight to see what ends up happening there, but like, it is wild. The most points Ohio State had allowed all season was 31 to Penn State. And other than the 31 to Penn State and 30 last week against Maryland, the next closest was 21. Like, Ohio State, here's the results mostly for Ohio State this year. 10 against Notre Dame, 12 against Arkansas State, 21 against Wisconsin, 10, 20, 10, the 31-pointer against Penn State, 7, 14. Like, at a certain point, that's just a defensive breakdown, and it's kind of wild to watch that one play out the way that it did because, like, I thought Ohio State was going to win. All the projections were saying Ohio State's a 7-8 point favorite, and if that's the NFL, that's almost as good as gravy. And Ohio State got pummeled in the second half, the same way I just watched Tennessee get pummeled. In the way I was saying, like the closest thing to Alabama never having this type of loss was Ohio State. But even Ohio State lost by 25 to Purdue a few years ago, that last year of Urban Meyer where they went to the Rose Bowl. Like, even in 2018, they still lost big to Purdue. And, I mean, they got beat in the national championship pretty handily by Alabama, but I wouldn't think of that as, like, a trancing. It was Alabama scored a whole bunch of points, and that was kind of the end of the game. But, like, Ohio State never has 28-3 on their home field. Even last year when we were talking about Oregon pulling off the win, Oregon didn't like crush Ohio State. They were leading most of the game, but like Ohio State had a chance to go win that game at the end last year. So, I mean, it is crazy to see a Tier 1 program, even against the team that beat them last year, and even against a program in Michigan that's now going to make two straight playoff appearances. And like we said last week, or I'm sorry, like we said yesterday, if Jim Harbaugh stays for three to four years, we're not talking about them becoming a D1, a Tier 1 program because I don't think they're going to be that close that it's going to take eight years to get to the point where they're a tier one program given how they spent five six years being basically a tier three program that plays in the citrus bowl or plays in the outback bowl or maybe one year will play in the peach bowl but like if you take what's being built right now at michigan they have a tier two program that pretty consistently has proven that this group as a team is one of the top three teams in the country over the past two seasons. And that's pretty interesting to watch because, I mean, when have we seen another program like that? Like Clemson falls away, Ohio State falls away, and 
uh, Alabama falls away this year and who rises to the top. It's kind of like a power vacuum. It's pretty much like, hey, Georgia's going to run through everybody and maybe Ohio State has a chance to beat them. But we saw last year, like Michigan got crushed by Georgia in the playoff game. And last year's Michigan team was better than this year's Michigan team. But either way, Michigan being a top three team fills the power vacuum void at Ohio State. I'm sure that's got to feel awesome if you're Michigan. That's got to feel awesome to be adversaries against Ohio State again. And just like I said yesterday, if Harbaugh stays for the next three years, I, I, I mean, if he stays for three, four more years, you're looking at a situation where pretty clearly I think Ohio State and Michigan are going to be splitting the next six matchups between each other. We look up in four years and it's like Michigan's won four of the last six against Ohio State. Part of that is Michigan could be a tier one program, but the part I'm talking more about is the machine of Ohio State comes back down to earth. Not necessarily like they'll fall down to like the purgatory that Florida finds themselves in, but Perhaps Ohio State's now in that Tier 2 group. It's more dependent on recruiting because, again, like I said off the top, they just lost Jackson Smith and Jigba. who repl- <laughs> He slid in place of Garrett Wilson and got went for 300 yards in a bowl game. And then you take out in Jigba and you put in... Um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, I, I just blanked on the guy's name. Uh, E.E. Um, Egbuka, that's who I'm talking about. Egbuka, who's going to be probably a first-round pick, who slides in and has uh, 125 yards and a touchdown. And Marvin Harrison, who's still a sophomore, has 120 yards and a touchdown. And Ohio State's spent eight years just getting four-and-a-half and five stars and putting up that machine. It'll be interesting to see how that machine continues to play in such a manner. Because basically for the last six years, Ohio State's kind of been the third-place team. Like you have Alabama, Clemson, then Ohio State. Then you have Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State. One year, Ohio State beat Clemson in order to like rise to above them, perhaps. And then Georgia immediately took the mantle from both them and Alabama, in a sense. So Ohio State's kind of been that third team for a long time. Still a tier one program because, you know, uh, there's so many... Four, there's enough four and a half and five star prospects. And when I say four and a five, four and a half and five star prospects, I'm talking about guys who you know in high school are going to be first and second round picks. And there's about 30 to 40 in every recruiting class. And so those are the guys where like they come in and like there's enough of those players to sustain three of these programs like what Alabama has done or what Georgia has done or what Clemson has done. There's enough of those guys where if they cluster together at a program, one at each position, each recruiting class goes to these schools and you get six, seven, eight, four and a half and five star guys per recruiting class. There's about there's enough room for about three of those programs in college football under the amount of talented players that they have in the current recruiting systems. Now they could all disperse to other programs and then you have a circumstance like what Georgia is this year where there's a lot of tier two programs like TCU, USC, Alabama, even Clemson, I know they lost to South Carolina, but like there's a whole lot of tier two programs and only one real tier one program in Georgia. I think Ohio State's the other one, but Ohio State might not make the playoff anymore. And they're like treading on tier two territory because they're going to miss the playoffs in back to back seasons. So like maybe they all go dispersed, but if they clust, if the four and a half and five stars cluster on the same teams as they've traditionally done the last 10 years, 
and really like 20 years, but specifically let's talk about the last 10 years because that's the lifetime that I know, then you have about three teams that can be the superstar tier one programs. And the fact that Michigan has not had that type of recruiting and has still managed to make two consecutive playoff appearances, I think is a hats off job because on paper, Michigan was not better than Ohio State each of the last two seasons. And it doesn't matter because... Michigan beat them head-to-head, and as Spencer Hall as a shutdown fullcast was talking about, this Michigan team was designed to win that exact game where they just pound the shit out of Ohio State, and then also you look up, and once they've done that 69-yard touchdown, 75-yard touchdown, 45-yard touchdown, 75-yard touchdown again, and 85-yard touchdown all in the same game against Ohio State, who had been the highest-scoring offense in college football prior to this game. That's our post-game show. That's our recap of Michigan-Ohio State. It's a pretty entertaining, fun game on that end, and the quarterfinal game goes to Michigan for the second year in a row. And uh, it's just great that Michigan and Ohio State are adversaries because we get more quarterfinal games like this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast and Wired Up episode 129. Make sure to leave a five-star review, a download. All of your support is always much, much appreciated. We'll have NFL Monday coming up in a couple days or maybe one day or maybe today, depending on whenever and however you might be listening. Thanks for stopping in, everybody, and uh, take it easy. Congratulations to Michigan.